Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Whenever, wherever, however you care to join us, welcome to the Hot Tag Podcast. And coming to the ring, hailing from Chesapeake, Virginia, is one half your host with the most that will whip you from pillar to post, all power to the people himself, Shabo. Along with the mastermind behind the design, the lineage of excellence himself, Big Grizz Eric Billups. How's it going, Eric? What is How do you talk? I, I can't top that. I, I feel like I need to come in with, like, I, don't, I feel like I need to be like Apollo Creed in, in, in Rocky Three. <laughs> no, I told you I've been working on that, man. I want this to be good. That was epic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank was you. Epic. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank well, I'm doing great, bro. That's good to hear, man. That's good to hear. Uh, got a jam-packed show. A lot has been going on from this man. weekend till Tuesday. There was a lot happening, a lot of information passed around, a lot of things to look forward to. How do you feel about it? Going on this weekend. A lot of cussing. <laughs> a lot of going on this weekend. A lot of cussing. A lot of Yeah, way more than what I'm used to in wrestling. But you know what? At the same time, I'm not complaining at it, all. It, this weekend was epic. Yeah, in my makes, opinion. It makes you feel like you're going back to the attitude era when it was nothing but cussing and middle fingers and you know, all this extreme stuff going on, like it, it was wild. I was enjoying every moment of it. Every moment of every show, everything that was going on, man. I was loving it. I thought it was great. I think it was great, man. I mean, just this this whole in my I call it a wrestling week. I call wrestling weeks from Saturday to Wednesday. That's my week of wrestling. Especially right. if like there's stuff new on the weekends. Yeah. And it's like this is what we talk about. When we talk, when we say healthy competition, yeah, this is exactly what we talk about. Yeah, AEW Fighter Fest literally lit a fire under WWE's ass, and I won't even say just Fighter Fest by itself. I just say AEW in general, right? But good God, but good God Almighty, man! Like if this wasn't a, such a great couple of days of wrestling, stories being, you know, storylines being built. You know, rivalries coming to a head, man. I'll tell you, like, if you if you're a wrestling fan and you're not excited this time right now, you need to stop being a wrestling fan. And let's just put it out there really quick, because I got asked a lot of questions about this. Me and Eric, we are just two regular guys from Chesapeake who enjoys wrestling. We're not journalists, we're not historians. We've just been watching wrestling since we were little. So we like to talk about it. So, you know. That's what you're going to get. You're not going to get Bruce Pritchard or Conrad Thompson or anybody like that. Jim Ross, shout out to Jim Ross. He called a great, he did a great commentary at Fighter Fest, by the way. But we're none of those guys. We're just, like I said, two guys. We got regular jobs, went to school together, watched wrestling, talked about it all the time. And we just decided to put it on a podcast. That's all it is. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I'll tell you what, like, if you are looking for, you know, if you're looking for diehard journalism and political correctness, you are at the wrong place, my friend. Go ahead and cut it off now. 
You better go listen. Well, I was about to say you could go listen to Jim Cornette, but good God, is it? I mean, he drops more, more F bombs than I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he don't like anything. We like we like most of the stuff, but he don't like anything. You know, and I'm so scared. He doesn't. Well, I can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say he doesn't like anything because you know. Oh, I'm gonna say it. He's right. still stuck in the dark ages of wrestling. It's what he loves. He doesn't like. He doesn't like. His, you know, his precious golden age of wrestling tampered with. And I'm not. I'm not going to go any further because I absolutely love Jim Cornette. And if this goes back to him, I really want at some point to have him on the show. So I am not going to say what, you know what? I'm going to say it. Forget it. I'm not politically correct. Okay. Before you say it though, I have nothing to do with what he's about to say. All right, go ahead. Shay has absolutely nothing to do with what, with what I'm about to say. Do not call. Do not send him bad messages. He has nothing to do with this. Send them all to me. I love the smoke. <laughs> okay. We'll just get this quick rant out the way, and then we'll go ahead into what I'm doing. Go into, uh, you know, reviews. <sighs> so maybe skipping ahead a little bit, but everybody already knows about it. The chair shot to Cody at Fighter Fest. Right. It's been a hot topic over the past, it, it, uh, the hottest topic, in my opinion, over the past couple of days, in my opinion, just short of Heyman and Bischoff being hired. Um, you know, I, I'm in that weird phase where I grew up watching the old school wrestling and loving it for what it is. And have also gone into adulthood watching wrestling evolve into what it is today. And look, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, watching a guy wearing a dinosaur mask, carrying, you know, carrying a smaller guy would have been my cup of tea when, you know, I was nine, 10 years old. Because at that age, I was huge into, you know, the hard wrestling, the Arn Anderson picking you up and dropping you on your back. You know, I grew up on that type on that type of wrestling, so that's all I knew. Anything else that was made a joke or whatever, I it, I would have laughed at it. But you know what? The world of wrestling has changed. Kayfabe has been broken. I am sorry to break it. Everybody who's into old age wrestling, I'm sorry to break your heart, but Kayfabe was broken a long time ago, way before the curtain call. Okay, it was by your guys, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and the Iron Sheik. Okay? When it comes to this chair shot from Cody, what I have, what I personally have liked to see the Bucks kayfabe it, absolutely. It would have drawn to the show. I get that. But you know what? At the end of the day, these guys are not just wrestlers. They are executive vice presidents of a wrestling promotion. Sometimes you have to put that hat on. And for Jim Cornette to say the ridiculous, vile things that he says, only because you have a, a very huge prejudice towards them and how they've, quote, unquote, treated your art of wrestling. Newsflash, Cornette, wrestling does not belong to you. Wrestling belongs to every single fan who appreciates it for what it is. What ain't your cup of tea 
maybe somebody else's, and you have no right to shit on it. Now, if you hear this podcast and you got a problem with what I got to say, by all means, my friend, I will leave how you can reach me at the end of this podcast, and we can have that discussion. And I mean that with the utmost respect because I have a lot of respect for you, Jim Cornette. But the way that you talk about Cody, the way that you talk about the Young Bucks, you're a child. Okay? You act like a child. Get his way because you're not being served the type of wrestling that you want. Okay? Get over it. End of rant. Shay, how you doing today, buddy? I am so well. How are you? Thanks for asking. <laughs> I'm not touching that dial. Man, I'm sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. And I and I hate and I hate and I felt I hate that I felt like I had to do that because like I said, I have a lot of respect for Jim Cornette. Not only for the work that he's done in wrestling period, but what he's contributed to the wrestling business. But I'm sorry, man. Look, wrestling ain't the same. It's not the same as it used to be. Your buddies are the one that broke K-Vabe. Don't shoot, don't shoot the, the new generation who's trying to bring who's trying to bring wrestling bigger than what it is. Yes, it's like I said it before, it's not your cup of tea. I get it. But to crap to crap on them when they're doing nothing but their job, you don't see them going, you don't see them going out. Talking, you know, calling them all sorts of names, calling Jim Cornette all sorts of names, man. You just don't see that. Why? Because the Bucks, because Cody and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are way too mature to have to deal with one crybaby who doesn't like the product that they're putting on. Jim, cut it the f- cut it off, then. Cut it off, and don't worry about it. Don't talk about it on your show. Don't bring it up. Give it the Vince Russo effect, then. You don't like talking about Vince Russo on your show because it gets your blood pressure. Because it gets your blood pressure up. You treat AEW the same way. Then stop crapping on those guys who are just trying to bring something different to wrestling. I said that that was the end. Now I'm really done for a fro. <laughs> okay, moving on, on, man. Before I, before I go into it again, let's 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 go right into Fighter Fest. Okay, we're we're off to a hot start. I love it. Okay, Fighter Fest. AEW's pay-per-view that was hailing from Daytona Beach, Florida from the Ocean Center. In regards to this pay-per-view, Eric, I'm going to ask you, what were you hoping to expect? Did we lose, Eric? No, I'm here. Okay, what were you hoping to expect? Like, what what did you expect was going to happen? You know what? I I went into it with... Especially with AEW, until they get onto TV, there's I'm not going to put any expectations on anything. Partly because when it comes to these guys, you really don't know what to expect. You know, I, and that's blatantly obvious with Double or Nothing and John Moxley. You know, coming out of crowd out of nowhere, and of course, a lot of people might have saw that coming. But right. when it comes to the overall production of the show. I, I tried not to have any respect. I did the okay. I can't. I take that back. The one thing I did respect was some great wrestling because Double right. or Nothing really impressed me. You right. know, with the high level of wrestling that they did, and it wasn't the same old WWE. Uh, you know, wrist lock. You know, into you know, uh, headlock, into throwing them into the ropes, to going on the ground, letting the guy jump over you, going back into a hip toss. 
Yeah. That's how predictable WWE has been. Yeah. Because I literally just laid out the opening of 95% of the matches. So this, I had no expectations. While I wasn't let down, I wasn't thoroughly impressed either. Okay. okay. I don't say that. What did okay. you expect? What, what, what expectations did you have? Well, going into this, I was expecting them to do similar what they did on their first pay-per-view and send a shot to WWE. But remember when Cody took the sledgehammer and he slammed it on the on Triple H's uh, throne and exploded and all that stuff? I was expecting them to send another shot to WWE like that. I'm so happy that they didn't. And I'm going to explain why. When you focus on your own product, you do way, way better than you would ever think. When you focus on yourself, you know, one of the reasons, going back in history, WCW failed because they focused on WWE, focused on what they were doing and then patterned their show to go against them as, as opposed to just patterning their show to make a good show. Fighter Fest patterned their show to make a good show. They didn't care about WWE. They didn't throw any shots towards them. They didn't mention them, which I, I, I greatly appreciate. It shows that they're trying to build their own product without using the next man to build off of. You know, They're trying to build it from right. the ground up, except for benching somebody else's name to try to make them more popular. So I expect the shot thrown at WWE, but was way more happier that they didn't throw a shot to WWE. And then, like you had said about the matches, I expected great matches. I expected fast pace. I expected false finishes. And that Moxley match at the end, I, I expected the carnage. Because I seen John Moxley in the independence before he became famous. And he did some some pretty brutal stuff to himself, you know, in them death matches. And I was expecting him to bring that out, and he did. Um, yeah, so I was I was expecting to see what I saw. And I'm not going to say it, it was a bad pay-per-view, but I felt it could have came a lot harder, you know. What I think it was is that since the only pay-per-view we had to compare to this one was a double or nothing, which was a, a five-star pay-per-view, it's hard to make another five-star pay-per-view, you know? So I would give gave, gave, this one a three-and-a-half only because I have nothing else to compare it to except for their first pay-per-view, double or nothing, which was awesome in all aspects. So that's what I expect. Now... My next question to you, Eric, is what matches stood out to you? Oh, man, I'll tell you. Uh, I would say the one that absolutely stuck out to me the most, and not for the reason that you may expect, but uh, Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen. I that that, match, too. that yep. match stuck out, and, it, and not because of the chair shot at the end. No. And, and it, and it really makes me – it's really made me upset that all everybody's talked about from that match is the chair shot and not the incredible job <laughs> that Darby Allin did in that match. That match from start to finish was, to me, absolutely amazing. When I, I watched uh, Road to Fighter Fest, and I saw, I saw the little the, – the vignette that they did on Darby Allin. And when you watch that, you get a sense 
of his style of wrestling. So I, I didn't know what to expect from him going into the match because I honestly had never seen Darby Allen up to this point. I am, and when he looks out, I'm like, uh, my first thought was, this is going to be like a really crazy wrestling match. <laughs> the way he, I mean, he's got half of his face, he's got half of his face like a skull. Yeah. He's got this dead look in his eyes. He comes out with this body bag that he is spray painted with Cody. He's spray painted Cody on. And I'm like, oh, this might be, you know, a pretty hellacious match. Darby Allen is a very talented technical wrestler. And that's something that I did not expect. And he's also a great storyteller. I was going to talk about that also. Go ahead, though. And I don't want, and I, so then I'm not going to leave that. I'm going to leave that to you. I'm going to leave that to you then. But well, I will say, oh, go ahead then. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, no. I, I was just going to say how they sold their moves. Case in point, how um, uh, Cody Rose had that injured hand and Darby Allen was working over the hand and Cody was selling it. Darby Allen was what, a buck 20 soaking wet? At least. <laughs> And Cody's pretty jacked. Cody's probably like somewhere like 220, 230 or something like that. So yeah, he's not the biggest guy, but he's he's not the biggest Cody's not the biggest guy in the world, but you know, he's got he's got some weight on him. But compared to Darby Allen, he was a giant. But with Cody's but with Cody's injured hand, Darby used that to his advantage and Cody sold it for him. And the announcers did an awesome job by selling it also. Like, Darby keeps going for the hand, that injured hand of Cody Rhodes. How can Cody Rhodes finish the match? He's doing this with one hand. Great sale job. Great sale job. Another great sale job that I haven't seen in a while is when Cody slapped the figure four on Darby Allen, and Darby Allen made it to the ropes, and he started biting the bottom rope to signify how much pain he was in from that figure four. That was awesome. I applauded that. Because he's actually showing you, I am in so much pain. It hurts so bad. I'm bite. I gotta bite down on something to get to these ropes. You know, usually the guy make it to the ropes and then put his head down, like, "Huh, oh, I made it." Like if the move didn't do anything really, but he was biting up bottom rope, like, "Ah, oh, my leg, my leg is killing me." I love right. that part. Another part, like, I love this match. If you can't tell, it was a it. lot of <laughs> meaningless near falls or false finishes. That's one thing, you know, that's one of my pet peeves is you keep having these false finishes. You do a slam, you go for a three, uh, f- go for the win. You do a kick to the stomach, you go for the win. Like, a lot of those are just meaningless. This one didn't have a lot of it. Every move they did made sense, and it was leading up to them trying to win with the big move. I like the fact that time ran out because it shows that these guys gave it all. It also showed that Cody perspired through it all with the hurt hand. And then to get to your your chair shot spot, timeless. When's the last time you saw a chair shot to the head? With this whole concussion deal going on, a chair shot to the head was much needed because it signified that this person, which that was Ty Dillinger, right? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, formerly, formerly Ty Dillinger, he now goes by Sean Spears. Sean Spears, okay. To show that Sean Spears really hates Cody Rhodes, that he's going to give him a chair shot to the head, which us wrestling fans haven't seen in, what, about 10 years? 
But I tell you what, the, 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 when when I when he first took the shot, the first thing that came to my mind was the I Quit match between The Rock, Rock and Mankind. Mankind. Yeah, yeah. And then he busted him open, and he got juice, and he he was colored, you know. So that just shows, like, I hate this guy so much, I'm going to do something y'all haven't seen in 10 years, give him a shot to the skull and bust him open. And yeah. another and another great part, <laughs> like, this is a great story. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm going to talk about this guy later, but I'm going to talk about him now. Your boy, MJF. <laughs> who portrayed himself as a heel, right? Came right. down to the ring to check on Cody. So when you have a heel coming to check on a baby face, it just shows that, oh, he really hates this guy, that bad guys are coming to check on a good guy to see if he's okay. No matter yeah. if he's bad or, or not, he's still a wrestler in that locker room and you want to check on him, you know? Right. So I was and like, MJF, wow. And MJF has sta- has has publicly always stated that him and Cody Rhodes are really good friends. So yeah. at the end of the day, he didn't he didn't give a shit about you know he didn't give a shit about being a heel at the time. He wanted to be there for his best friend, and uh, and he obviously made up for the heel. I don't know if you saw his media scrum after Fighter Fest, but he definitely made up for it because he was calling everybody all sorts of names and then just walked off. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't see that part, but I just saw when he came, and it surprised me. I'm like, this guy's a heel, but he's checking on the baby face. Why is he doing that? Then it took, I'm like, oh, just to show the heat between uh, what's his name? What's Todd Dillinger's name now? You said Sean Spears. Sean Spears and Cody Rhodes. I applauded that. That match. The funny thing is, to the mid '90s, uh huh. The funny thing is, we don't even know why. Sean Spears hit him with the chair because they talked about how they used to, how they were friends. Like up until that point of the chair shot, they were good friends. So like that literally came out of nowhere. And you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, and you know, that leads me to my next question is what to expect at the next pay-per-view, but go ahead with what you was going to say. I was just going to say like, it's so interesting because you're starting to see your, it's like, you're starting to see everything come together the closer it gets to their TV debut. You, you start to see, like, the little storylines, like, you know, even through Double or Nothing at Fighter Fest, like, you're, you're almost starting to see, you know what I'm saying, the storylines come together for TV, which I think, the, and they're doing it in such a great and innovative way. Right, and it's it makes you even more like if you're a fan of AEW, it's like you're increasingly more and more excited. Like you, what it's like they give you like with these pay per view events are doing this, like they're literally leaving you wanting more. Because I'm like, even at the Fighter Fest, and like I said, Fighter Fest was a little underwhelming for me, but it still left me wanting more. So then when they right. said, so then when they said fight for the fallen ones in two weeks, I was like, oh yes, all right, great. All I only got to wait is two weeks, and then we're gonna have another one. And I'm excited for that one, too. But I'll tell you what, that Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes match, my hat's off to Darby Allen. Darby yeah. Allen is going to be a star. Oh He's going to be a star. I'm calling it right now. Oh, and did you see – well, I know you saw it, but that bump he took when he tried to do that coffin drop off the top. On the apron. On the apron. The hardest part of the ring. That looked nasty. It, it's good. God. I just I was like, because I looked and I was like, he's not gonna do that. I was like, that's gonna hurt. I was like, because I was seeing Cody laying there, and I'm like, 
my wrestling mind is already working. I'm like, if Cody moves out of the way, that's going to hurt like hell. And sure enough, Cody moved out the way, and Darby Allen hits it on his back and just rolls to the ground. And I said, oh, I literally said, oh, my God. Right, <laughs> and, right. uh, and then when he got up and kept wrestling, I'm like, there's something seriously wrong with this guy, and I like it. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know what? I think we just answered my next question is, which wrestler stood out? Darby Allen. You know what? I was going to say, actually, he Uh stood out, but he didn't stand, but he didn't stand out as much as somebody else did. MJF? And this was it. No. Uh, Hold on, let me guess. Let me guess. First of all, we know MJF is a prick of colossal proportions. (laughs) I am not giving him the credit. Well, Uh, I'll talk about him later, too. So we'll we'll, we'll, we'll say that for later. We'll say that for later. Okay, okay, okay. But the, the wrestlers that stood out for me, and this is probably going to be a very unpopular opinion, but Private Party. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, that match, yeah, on the pre-show, that match was really underwhelming. Yeah. Uh, I thought that, I thought more could have been brought to it, but I take nothing away from Private Party. And, guys, we hear all the comparisons. Oh, it's another crime time. Oh, they look like street profits. Let these guys make a name for themselves before you start comparing them. And not to mention, not to mention that it's kind of irritating, especially as a black guy, that you get two guys together and all that all you can compare them to are other black are other black teams. Right. That's kind of irritating. Okay, let's 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 cut the racial undertone bullshit for five minutes. And let <laughs> And sorry, hey, sorry, I told you guys from Jump Street, this ain't a politically correct show. And if you it's guys not. are welcome, you guys are more than welcome to not listen to me anymore. But I know that I am not the only person in the world that was impressed by private party and want to see these guys make a name for themselves. Right, right. Because I, I'll tell you what, that her Karana to Frankie Kazarian off the top rope and then the other guy comes in <laughs> With, with with the uh, guy, I don't want to call it the RKO. I don't want to call it the Diamond Cutter because it's their own separate moves. But you know that move. Yeah, that move. Yeah. <laughs> Hitting him mid air, I was thoroughly impressed. So those guys really stood out to me. I'm so glad that right after you may not know this, Shay, right after their match, the Young Bucks offered them a full time contract to AEW. Nice. Okay. So. I'm I'm really excited. Like the Young Bucks, they are killing it in the tag team division. Most they definitely. know what they they know what they're looking for. So Cal uncensored. I mean, they don't they don't need to be hyped up any more than they already are. You got the Dark Order with the creepy perverts. <laughs> you got the best friends. You know, remember, like, remember Billy the, and Chuck? Remember that? Is that what it reminds you of? That's what it reminds me of. Billy and Chuck. Oh, God, was, yeah. Don't, don't do know. that. <laughs> they do hug each other a lot, but then again, they're best friends. So, yeah. Hey. Yeah. I mean, we're good friends, but dude, I'm not going to hug you every five minutes. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, so you had talked about how this um, pay-per-view was, um, wasn't was up to your expectations. So what didn't you like? 
Uh, was there a specific match? Was it the order of the match? Was it the booking? I didn't like the 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 fatal four way match between Jungle Boy, MJF, Hangman, Adam Page, and Jimmy Havoc. I and I won't say I I won't say it, I loved the wrestling in it. I felt I loved the wrestling in it, but I also felt like it in a way it was cut. It was there was more of a spot fest than there was these four guys really going at each other. Right. You know, and you know the winner was going on to face Kip Sabian. So it's like you already knew what was at stake in the match. You know, you already knew what was at stake in the match. And it was just like, it just didn't feel like these guys were really fighting to win. Right. If you If you understand what I'm saying. They were just like, trying, to oh, get, trying to get their shit off, trying to get their moves in to, to show them off, right? Right, and like I and like I said, I mean that with the utmost, utmost respect because I did I I I enjoyed MJF's promo I in the beginning. In my, yeah, I had that in my notes. Great promo, great way to get heat. I love that type of heat when you just insult the fans to the uh, uh when it was like you suck, and he was like he said something about their mom or something like that. You know what I mean? I can't right. remember what it was, but it was very insulting. I love. <laughs> Very I don't insult. like that cheap heat when you, when they be like, "All oh, you stupid fans out there, that's cheap." Give me something real, you and know. Be creative with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Something, something. something you'll say to somebody you hate and want to fight. Yeah. Give me one of those. Show me you. Put, show me you put some effort. You want to put some effort into hurting my feelings, right? Okay? Right, right. And but, and I, the only thing that I didn't like about MJ MJF. Uh, not well. MJF promo is that stupid ass slogan that he's got. Cause I'm better than you, and I know, I know it. it. And <laughs> I know it. Oh my god! What? Where do you work out, Global Gym? Dodge like, dude, reference. Too much fun. Sorry, hey, I'll call it how I see it. Way too the what? You're like the love child of Laser Blazer and White Goodman. Woo! Come on, man. Give me something better. Like, give me something better than that. Give me, that, get, come on, come on, yeah. give me something. Give me, the, uh, the, oh, uh, was it too much, Shay? No, was no, too much? no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, come on, like, look, uh, the, uh, when he says that, literally the only thing I see is is MJF in the dodgeball tournament, throwing balls left and right with the white Goodman, you know, with the white Goodman hair. Sorry, that's all I saw. He said, like, come on, man. Give everybody a speed dodgeball. You got to come with something better than that. I'm surprised like nobody has brought it up yet. But if I am the first to bring it up, I wear that shit as a badge of honor. Okay. <laughs> and if ever MJF hears that shit and has something to say, oh, you fucking come talk to me, bro. <laughs> yeah, heard it here first on the Hot Tag podcast. Oh, I would love to go back and forth with you. I am literally nobody. But guess what? <laughs> you come at me if you want to. I will make a name of myself off of you. Okay. <laughs> Tread lightly, my friend. Oh my god, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have Jim Cornette after my ass. I'm gonna have MJ after somebody gonna be ready to whoop my ass <laughs> before you get to this. But I'm all of six six. But I'm all of six six and three hundred seventy pounds. So please come at me if you want to. I, I'm scared of no man. Moving on. Moving on. All right. So what I didn't like about it, and you know, I might get some heat from this. Not taking nothing away from each competitor in this, 
But I really didn't care for that six man with the elite and the Lucha Brothers and Pentagon Jr. Like for one, for, for, for one on. Kenny Omega is your golden child. Why didn't he get a hot tag? Why didn't the Young Bucks sell for them, get their ass beat in the ring by the Lucha Brothers and, and, and Pentagon Jr.? Try to get the tag to Kenny Omega. They can't get it, you know. Then when they finally get that hot tag, the Kenny Omega, the place could pop. Instead, you know, there was no real hot tag for Omega. The referees had no control over that match. I don't know who the legal man was. It was a lot of high spots, a lot, a lot of false finishes. But I will say this. Great outfits with the Street Fighter theme. <laughs> I will say that. We are such millennials. <laughs> but as far as those, they was hitting combos on them. Like, I think one hit a leg drop, next hit an elbow drop, another one hit a swanton, and the guy kicked out. So what the hell did y'all do all that for? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Right. If you do, you do, you did 17 moves back to back on him, and he kicks out. That was 17 wasted motions. That you did. That's why I said a lot of it was them trying to get their moves in to prove how good they are, but prove how good you are by beating the guy. Not by doing a, a series of moves, a series of dives, you know, that mean absolutely nothing because you try to go for a pin, they kick out on the one count. You know, so what was the point of all that if they're just going to kick out of it? I don't know. I just looked at that match as just a spot fest a way to showcase how athletic they are. And they were they are all athletic people. Like, I'm not taking nothing from their earring talent. But as far as how that match was put together, I know Jim Ross was probably sitting there and announced the seat like, what the hell is this? This isn't a slobber knocker. I don't think he was thinking that. <laughs> yeah, like, so – that was just my take on that. Like, that's the one I didn't like. Um, but to my next question, it was going to be, what do you expect in the next pay-per-view? Before I get into that, can, can I talk about that match for a second? Go for it. Because I have to say, I have to say I completely disagree with you. <laughs> I thought that, I thought that was a great match. I do see what you mean by it being a spot fest. Right. I get that. But at this point in the game, like, you know Cody and the Bucks, like, Spotfest is kind of what you're going to get with them, you know? And it's the one thing about them is, like, when they're together, you can see that they're constantly trying to one-up each other. Like, there's a friendly competition even between those guys, you know? So it's like, you see, you saw that, like, watching the, the uh, look, first of all, everybody caught the V-trigger. <laughs> Everybody right. caught that knee. Like they would fly all over the place. But uh who was it? I believe it was Nick. It was I think it was Nick who was dressed up as Ken. Did that spot um that and flipped on flipped on everybody off the top rope onto the floor. I think it was him that did that. That blew me because I was like, yeah. <laughs> Like, he had no concern right. <laughs> for human life. When he did, not even his own when he did that. It, it, I don't know. Like, I'm always on the fence with Spot Fest. Like, if, if the spot hits, 
if despite his heart, all right, you got me. But if it looks like you're kind of like lazing through it, like like from what it, what it looked like to me, the the fatal four way, like it kind of like you guys are like transitioning into the spot where in the in the six man match, it kind of felt like they eased into it, you know, like you kind of you you saw it coming, but you didn't see it coming, you know, and, and I think like you kind of contribute that to the way. It didn't look spotty, like they eased into the spot, you know, and the spots were smooth in my opinion. I thought the yeah, spots were real smooth. smooth. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I thought it was I thought it was a really good match. Like it's not a match, it's certainly not a match of the year. No, <laughs> you know, no, no. not by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I really enjoyed but I enjoyed that match a lot more than I thought I would. Right. I, I mean, all right. I enjoyed it too. I'm, I'm, I was a heel at first. Then I'm going babyface. I enjoyed it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going. I'm, I'm doing a turn. Um, but for example, each person had hit a super kick on another person. Back in the day, once again, I'm not a um wrestling for years. When Shawn Michaels used to hit a super kick. That was one, two, three. That was it. That was it. You're not kicking yeah. it. And when he hit it, it was a spectacle. When every person, there's six people in the ring, when all six of y'all hit it and all six of y'all kick out, <laughs> it's like, okay, so that that's a dead finish now. You know, so I don't know. That's just where, you know, I was getting out of it. Like, you're doing all these moves and y'all can't finish the person off. So what's the point of doing that move? Right, but anywho, getting from that, what do what are we going to expect in the next pay per view? All right, so the next, so the next pay per view up is Fight for the Fallen. Uh, I don't know. I I I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm not really up on the card. I'll have to look up on the card, guys. I promise you. We'll, well we know we'll do better about that next week. <laughs> well, we know one match is going to be Omega and John Moxley because of the way Moxley's match ended with Joey Janello. Right. So we know that but, one. But even still, I feel like that match that match ought to be set. I don't think Fight for the Fallen is the is the the venue for that match. Okay. I feel like that type of match, either that either you put that match on all out or you put it the very night of, of your TV tapings. Okay. Because okay. I feel like that's a huge, that's a huge, huge match. It was like you know, and no disrespect to fight for the fallen. I'm not, and I again, I I guess in that in in the regard, I can understand why they put that there because you know this is for troops. So you're so you're gonna want to put on your best show for your troops, right? I I personally, I just feel like I would have rather seen it on all out. Maybe not the main event of all out, you know, but. Definitely, because I just feel like that's marquee. You know, those two guys together. I think right. I think that's a marquee match. But I'm not gonna. But I'm not gonna complain any more than I already have. I'm happy. If anything, I'm happy that I actually get to see it, and I don't have to wait that long for it. Right. It's in two weeks, right? Two weeks. Yep. Right. Okay. Good. 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 Um, speaking of John Moxley, real quick, match he had with Joey Janello, the 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 barefoot spot that they did. Classic, never seen that. Oh. <laughs> I love that. You know what? I, that 
Hulk, I hadn't seen a hardcore match like that in a long time. And it was actually, in my opinion, that's actually kind of tame to some of the stuff that I've seen Moxley do. But I enjoyed it for what it was. Right, right, right. Hardcore wrestling is not for everybody. So I completely get that. But if you enjoy hardcore, if you enjoyed hardcore matches, this, you enjoyed this match. Especially seeing, especially because you saw the transition. Uh, Like, uh, first of all, John Moxley stopped being Dean Ambrose a long ass time ago. But you saw, but you saw John Moxley in his natural element. Yeah, and you, and anybody who hadn't seen John Moxley before that, ladies and gentlemen, is John MF and Moxley. That's what you get out of John Moxley. You get unpredictability. You get loads of violence, and you're probably going to see blood in there somewhere too. So and- I fully enjoyed this match. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You were about to say something. No, and I was going to say, if you can read lips, you can see him dropping a few F-bombs. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, dude. That was a lot of cussing going on. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love, but I love that, though. I love that, though, because it's like, okay, let's get past the cookie-cutter BS that we have seen in wrestling all this time. Like, I want to hear somebody drop the F-bomb. I want to hear somebody say, tell a fan to shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to see I want to see that in wrestling. Like, dude, we're grown-ups. I want to hear some grown-up talk, you know, in wrestling. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. And furthermore, God, the Jim Cornettes of the world will hate this. I, the, the one thing that I also loved, ooh, the one thing that I also loved was uh, the photo that they did together afterward, after that match. Like, I enjoyed that. Too. I don't know if you saw that or not, but they actually took a picture together after the match, after they, they, got, after they got cleaned up and everything. Uh, I loved seeing that because it's like, I don't mind breaking kayfabe every once in a while. Like, when it comes to storylines, if we're, if we're doing a storyline, all right, fine, stick to the script. But seeing that match, it's like seeing that after, like seeing the hell that they put each other through, and then to see them hanging out, drinking together, to me was absolutely awesome. Because that's pretty much, dude, any other fan, when you go to a wrestling show and you just so happen to go to a restaurant and you see these guys, and you see these guys coming to the restaurant to eat, that's what you're going to see anyway. You know? Right. So it's right. like, I, I personally, I love seeing stuff like that. I love it. That match, that match you talked about, like, that was an awesome hardcore match. I have to agree with you on that. Well, that's the AEW segment. Next, we're going to get into the, what I like to call the Raw Down segment. The Raw Down. The between Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. But, oh, I got it. I just yeah. like I just like the name. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was talking about for our listeners that didn't get it. Yeah, raw oh, okay. down And the biggest takeaway, I think we both gonna say it: Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman. Yeah. If I can, if I can quote Corey Graves on this, holy shit! Did you wow. catch that? Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely caught that. Can I? Hey, while while you're at it. Can I quote the crowd for a second? Can I Go quote the it. crowd for like five seconds? 
Thank you, hey man. Thank you, hey man. Yeah, that's how you start. All right, yo, you want you want a new raw? Here you go. We're getting rid of the fucking stage. Fuck it. <laughs> I love yo. That was the best. That was literally the best spot of the entire night. That yeah, stuck most, with that me. Was the best, that was the best spot of both shows. <laughs> I, I I have to agree completely hands down. I absolutely love that. Like I saw it coming. Like when when I saw Braun get up and start running, something, I was like, "Oh, they're going through the stage." What I did not expect was the forty five minutes of fireworks that went on yeah. after that. <laughs> I, was I like, said, "Wow, oh. they really went there." It I said, me- "Oh, <laughs> Braun was mad, mad." <laughs> it reminded me of remember when uh, Terry Funk and Cactus Jack got. Um, uh, tossed off the stage. They was in the dumpster, Woo! and the New Age Outlaws pushed them off the stage. You remember that? Yeah, you took it back there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That's what it reminded me of because the the crowd was hushed. It was like a real serious like scene. It was like, whoa, this is heavy. And to me, the, I think the reason they did that because they saw their competition and was like, oh, so you want a war, huh? All right, I got something for you. Which brings me to my next point of how mm-hmm. smart Vince McMahon is. Because he knew about AEW because, they, you know, they're getting traction. So he doesn't want the two guys that almost beat him, well, one almost beat him, Eric Bischoff, going to the competition because they know how Vince works now. They've been working with him for years. So he didn't want people exposing the secrets of the WWE to another company, so why not hire them and have them run his shows? Smart move. Genius move. Genius opening. I love that it was these two because it's going to put them over even more. Like, I was feeling like Lashley was kind of lukewarm at best and Braun Strowman had cooled down, you know, because he was hot at one point when he was with Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and I feel he had cooled down, and I think, and I think Bobby Lashley was just still in that same like just floating in, on the mid card. But I think this is going to escalate though, especially when they come back. But yeah, that that um, that stage spot, priceless. Yeah, and I and I have it on good authority. I have it on good authority that there is a new stage design coming for Raw. Which right. was partly the reason for that huge spot was because supposedly there is a new stage design for Raw in the works, which it ties into the whole hey let's let's bring in the new thing. But I thought I thought that tie in was pretty cool, you know, yeah, because obviously like you can because obviously even as a commentary team you can run away with that. You're like hey. Uh, after the hellacious, you know, after the hellacious accident between Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman, we've decided that we need to make some new designs to our stage, not just to protect the performers, but protect the audience, too, because anything could have happened after that. So they could they could run with that a million different ways. Right. You know, it's the little intricacies in wrestling, you know, if you know about it, you know, if, if you if you know, you've watched it long enough. You have a pretty good idea, you know. Like the little intricacies in wrestling is like what keeps things going. Got it. At the yeah. end of the day, and it's like that new stage design works for works in you know works in the favor of Raw because you know you 
Raw has kind of been the same for a while. You need to switch it up for a little bit. I think, you know, it lights a fire under the wrestlers, too. The wrestlers are going to get excited about it. You know, the fans are obviously going to be excited about it. Like, it's a win-win for everybody at the end of the day. And like you said, that's such a credit to Vince's genius. I have been one of the most staunchest supporters of Vince stepping down. But I will also give credit where credit is absolutely due. And this was Vince all day long and twice on Sunday. Like, you could tell he had his hands on, you know, Paul Heyman had his fingerprints on the show. But we also knew at the end of the day that this was going to be, that this is Vince's show at the end of the day. So I absolutely give credit to Vince, you know, for what he's been, you know, for what he's been able to do over the past couple of weeks, especially hiring Heyman and Bischoff. And I find it so ironic <laughs> that the two guys that tried to put him under when the company was in its heyday, he had to hire to bring to to bring the ratings back. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And I also love that following that spot, what, like maybe an hour later, we got The Undertaker. What better bang do you get? Like, okay, you guys want a war? We're going to do this spot, and then we're going to bring in The Undertaker. Ratings right there. Instant ratings. For sure. Was, For sure. I thought I was genius. I thought I was genius. And I don't even remember what The Undertaker said. These days, you don't even care what Undertaker says. You just know it's legendary and it's going to go down in the books, you know? But I thoroughly enjoy Monday Night Raw. I think it, it had a hot start, kind of, you know, towards the end, kind of got to kind of dull down, but it's still working. It's still working. And I got to ask you a question Who are these two dudes from NXT, the two black dudes? Oh, oh, where, oh, where did Vince find them? Did he order them from Amazon? Because if so, he needs to return them back. That was just oh, you better stop it. First of all, you better put some respect on the street prophet's name. Oh my god, come on! I, I tweeted this out. I'm like, am I watching crime time? What is this? Stop it. You will not. <laughs> Yo, I love street. Like, okay, I love street. You have to okay. You if you're not familiar with street profits, you're not gonna understand them right away. Okay, like you have to watch them. Like you have to watch them in NXT to really to really get them. Like they just the biggest thing. Like that, I guess. Like their gimmick is like swag all over, which they do. <laughs> You know, I, I think they have swag. You know, I love I love their energy, you know, and what they bring. And not only that, they're very talented in the ring. Like, they're, they're NXT Tag Team Champions right now. Go back and watch NXT TakeOver 25. You will understand why these guys are over the way they are. These guys are really good in the ring, and they're highly entertaining. If you haven't seen them, like I said, if you watch one match from them, watch NXT TakeOver 25 and their tag team championship ladder match. These guys are talented, man. I'm telling you, don't overlook these guys. Don't, give it time. Just give them time to build. Don't, don't write them off just yet, okay? 
Oh, oh, sorry, I fell asleep there. But moving on. <laughs> sorry, I, I dozed off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. That was my fault. That was my mistake. Okay. But okay, I'll give him a shot. I'll give him a shot. It, it just threw me off. And and it it threw a lot of people off actually because nobody had any idea that they were going to be on the show. I had like I was watching, and and I know somebody probably got fired or fined for this, but they cut to them a little early. Early, yeah, I saw that. And so, and I was like, oh, like like I literally, (laughs) um, I I did, I popped, and I literally stopped the show. I rewinded it. Took a picture of it and and sent it to uh WrestleMania, which is a YouTube cha- which is a YouTube channel, a wrestling yeah. YouTube channel. Yeah, I sent it to them and I'm like, oh my god, Street Profits are on Raw tonight. Like I marked out because I love Street Profits. Like these guys are really, like I said, just get give them a chance, give them a couple more weeks, watch them in the ring, and I'm telling you that they, they actually might they might they might turn, they might make you turn. Okay, okay. Well, let's just run through Raw real quick. Um, Lacey Evans, she gets a win, which is good for her. I expect her to start winning at this point to get her get some traction under her to get get going. You know, she should have been winning if she's going up if she's going up against Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins teaming up with Baron Corbin at, for an Extreme Rules match, which means both their t- which in turn both of their titles are on the line. Lacey should have been winning a long time ago. It yeah, did, like, yeah. I get the slow build of her, but good God, like, at this point, I feel like, what is she in the match? Why is she still getting a title shot? For what? Like, she's constantly lost to Becky. But that, but they throw that in the storyline, too. So, I get it, but I'm just like, alright, somebody else has to be up for a title shot. Right, right. I feel you on that. Um... Kofi gets choked out for the second time now by Samoa Joe, which is pretty yep. huge. Which is pretty huge. Um, Gallows and Anderson instigating Ricochet and Styles. That reminds me of high school. That, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> watching watching that um, uh, that segment. It reminds me of high school. He's going back saying, oh, he said this about you. Oh, he said that about you. What you going to do about it, you know? And they, once again, they had a phenomenal match, which you know they were, you know? And I love that false finish, the first part when Ricochet's leg was under the rope. And AJ thought he won. I mean, the ref declared him the winner, but another ref had to come out and be like, hey, Ricochet's leg was under the rope. It doesn't count. Restart the match. That's like an old school. I bet Jim Cornette popped on that one. Jim Cornette, let's be completely honest. (laughs) That was like an old Bill Watts type of thing. So, because I popped on it. I was like, oh, okay. And I'm going to give my hats off to Paul Heyman. He probably came up with that one, you know, because he knew that he needs to spice this angle up a little bit more, you know, because for one, Ricochet is like as charismatic as an artificial plant. I'm sorry. Like on the mic, he's just like, okay. <laughs> I don't know whether to watch you wrestle or to buy milk from you. I can't tell. Oh, good lord, man. Yeah, yeah. So, and AJ Styles, he's good, but he's not, you know, he's not the best on the mic. He tries his best, but he ain't the best on the mic like a 
Kevin Owens, which I'm going to get into, you know. So, Paul Heyman knew he had to turn this angle. He had to spice it up by what they could do inside the ring and tell a story that way because I don't think he's going to get it on the mic. But that's my take on that. Anything else from Raw that we should we should hint on? Uh, uh, you mean besides the epic burial of Mark Canellis by his wife? <laughs> Good God, man. <laughs> uh, did you catch that? Once you mentioned that, everybody turned off Spotify and stopped listening. Why? <laughs> but mentioning that, it's just like, what? Look, but, I yeah. get that. It, look, JJ, look, first of all, we we got to stop complaining that we got to stop complaining about we want something different from WWE and then when they give us different we shit on. It. Can we stop doing that for like 5 seconds? We, I, we, now, we want something different but we want the different to be good, <laughs> you know. And we don't well, want to involve no 24/7 title. You crazy. The 24/7 title is what's carrying WWE right now. Uh Oh, my friend, you are in the one percentile in that opinion. Well, I'm making my heel turn. I'm making my heel turn now. Hit me with the chair then. Yeah, yeah. I hit you with the chair because that 24-7 title got to go. Bring the uh, TV title back. I'd rather see that. You know, this 24-7 title, it's just like, it's a gimmick. For laughs. It's supposed to be. Everybody gets it. Everybody knows it's a gimmick title. But that's what's making it funny and interesting. Like, truth is carrying the fuck out of WWE right now. That's just my personal opinion. I'll take the chair shot. But I think what other title is carrying WWE right now? Let's be honest. Maybe if you want to make an argument, the U.S. Championship, because Ricochet is killing it right now. In the ring. I will make that argument with you. But... You cannot deny the the overwhelming popularity of the 24-7 championship. You can't. You can't. Come on. I'm not, I'm not going back and forth with you on this 24-7 title. Let's move to SmackDown. <laughs> on the SmackDown. On the SmackDown. Opening up with the KO show where he buried Shane McMahon, Drew McIntyre, and Dolph Ziggler. Classic. I love Kevin where did that face turn come from? Like, uh, that came out of nowhere. I love Kevin Owens. In ring, on the mic, he's the guy. And I love I'm the fact like- he doesn't have the perfect build. He doesn't look like a Chippendale dancer or Abercrombie and Fitch model. I love the build of him. I love the look of him. Perfect look. Uh, that's your guy right there. At least give him the Intercontinental title. Something. He... I you don't know what? If, like... he if he had the 24-7 title, I might start liking it. Oh, my God. You are so... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> really? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You did what? Right, I... Okay. I love Kevin Owens. I don't like Kevin Owens as a face. I prefer my Kevin Owens as a heel. Yeah, some people I just aren't faces. Him. He's, he's, and not to say that he can't play a face because he has the entertainment. First of all, can we talk about can we talk about how he literally buried how he literally buried Dolph Ziggler before Dolph Ziggler even got to the ring before he even opened his mouth? He just yeah. he just, just gave it to him, and I was just like, "Wow, how you gonna 
What you gonna say now, Dolph? And Dolph is my favorite wrestler in ring wrestler. He he can go, but he got you on that one, Dolph. You go back to the locker room because he got you on that one. Oh my gosh, that that was so funny. Because literally, Kevin said everything that every person heard as soon as Dolph's song came on. Yeah. Everybody, like, oh my god, here we go again. And Kevin was like, no. No, no, we it should have been me. It. I should have the champion. I should be, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, yeah. Oh, god, that was so good. That was so good. Uh, and and next up, um, I've noticed New Day been losing a lot, you know, <sighs> you know, a lot, but they've been losing when you think they're supposed to win. It's just like, what's going on? Where, where are they going with this? Could this be? Could it be the dreaded, the, the dreaded heel turn? Might you be. think it's happening? You think it's coming? I think it's gonna be something like, if it is the way I see it, which I, you know, I'm I'm not a book, I don't know, but you know, Kofi keeps winning, Xavier and Big E keeps losing, and those two get mad and turn on the champion. You know, that might happen. I don't know. Once again. Like we were saying, people we're not journalists, we're not historians, and then like that, we just we're just yeah. just shooting it on it on professional wrestling. So who knows? I personally, I personally don't want to see Xavier turn heel because I don't think he. I and it's just my personal opinion. I don't think Xavier would play a good heel. I don't think he'd play a believable heel. Big E, yes, yeah, Xavier, e, yeah. no, no, no. I, I want. I'd rather him be a face. Okay. Um, I agree. Um, uh, what else did we have? Nikki Cross got um, squashed by um, Bailey. Um, bad rub for Nikki Cross. I love her. Not, not, not even though because because she made because ba- Bailey made the point at the beginning of a moment of bliss when she was yeah. sucking to Nikki, saying that okay, you've won two weeks in a row. Why am I facing? Why am I not facing you? Yeah. And the scenes are coming in. I see a triple threat match. I see a triple threat match for the for the women, the uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship soon. I really how, see that coming. How I would have booked it was you saw Nikki Cross about to get the win over Bailey, and Alexa Bliss saw it too, so she interfered because if she can't beat Bailey, nobody's going to beat Bailey. You know what I mean? So she was just basically jealous. That Nikki Cross was about to beat Belly and interferes and calls her the match, but it didn't go that way. I don't know. I, I would go with that booking actually. I'd I, go with that booking. Yeah, I'd go I with that booking like that. That's just me. I don't know. Um, your boy Ali, that shoot he did when he was outside talking about a change. Mm-hmm. That was good. He oh, was like, yeah. the, the WWE champion is going to look like somebody that's just like you." You know what I mean? Who's gonna talk just like you? It, it remind me of like some Dusty Rhodes type stuff. I'm just like you, baby. We, I'm the I'm the I'm the common man, baby. You know. You said what? I said we we went from the same. Well, we come from the same cloth, baby. Yeah, me and you. Cuff, baby. We're exactly the same. Yeah, except I'm, yeah. except I'm much prettier than you. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's why I thought he was gonna go with that. But I don't know. I didn't think SmackDown was that good. The only thing I think was good was that the KO spot. Um, yeah, we ain't got much time uh, left. Well, 
Whoa, can, uh, can we can we get can we give a shout out to the Kofi middle finger right quick? Oh yeah, the, yeah, the middle finger spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, we getting edgier, people. We getting edgier. We getting edgier. I love it. I love yeah, it. We got holy shit on Raw and the middle finger on SmackDown. We're getting there slowly. The Kofi of all people. Yes. yes. Look, I uh, I get you. Got to be PG. I get you know y'all got cover sponsors and stuff. Hey, it's nothing wrong. We're, we're we're dropping the holy shit every once in a while. There's nothing wrong with a quick. Middle figure, and I and what I loved about WWE, they knew what the fuck was up. They were like, okay, so we're gonna let Kofi give him the middle finger, but we're not gonna keep that middle finger on long because if you notice, Joe's back was to us, so we just saw Kofi smiling, and nobody knows why until the camera shifted and saw the middle finger, and I was literally like, oh shit. I I loved how I loved how they panned that. To where it's like everybody can't take like a 10 second picture of it, you know, of Kobe putting yeah. up the middle finger and saying, Oh, look, WWE is on some bullshit now, and all it, that. No, it was felt like a, it was like a couple of seconds. They're not going to lose any corporate sponsors. Everybody take a quick breather, okay? Relax. And, and I thought it was so baby faced that he was still smiling, the baby face smile while doing it. <laughs> yes. The smile, I think, was the best part. Yeah, I was just like, you're still such a baby face. You probably still got pancakes yes. in your trousers. <laughs> but that was Raw and that was SmackDown. Now, or like I like to call Raw Down. Now, on to a segment I like to entitle Memory Lane. Like I said at the beginning of the show, me and Eric, we've been wrestling fans for years. We've been seeing everything from the 90s to the 2000s to the now. So, Eric, my question to you. As a youngster, what was the first angle you remember seeing? The first angle I remember seeing. Um, okay. Let's take it back here. I don't want to get – I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the year wrong. So, guys, don't crucify me for it. I'm 33 years old. It's a long time, okay? The first angle that I can remember <laughs> – is Jerry Lawler and Bret Hart at King of the Ring. 95, I believe, or four. Was that the was kiss it, my foot? A, Yes. I think I was like 95. No. no. It, it, I don't know if the kiss my foot part had happened up to this point. I don't know if it happened up to this point. But I do, but the only thing that I remember is that. Uh, first of all, I begged my mom to order King of the Ring. I begged my mom literally all day to order it. She finally orders it, and we're all sitting down watching wrestling, and it, there was a match. I believe Bret Hart had a match against somebody. I don't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Jerry Lawler or if it was against somebody else, but Jerry Lawler attacked Bret Hart. I think to the was, point, I think it was Bob Backlund. Maybe I think you're right. I think it was Bob Backlund, but Jerry Lawler messed up Brett's leg really, really bad to the point like he he had to wrestle late. He had to wrestle King later on that night. That's why he had messed up Brett the way he did. And I told my mom, I said, "Watch what's going to happen. Brett Hart's going to come out. Brett Hart's going to come out. He's going to pretend like he's hurt." 
but he's really not going to be. He's going to feel fine, and he's going and he's going to trip up Lawler like that. Now, keep in mind, this was ninety, uh, so I'm somewhere around eight, nine, or ten, or seven, eight, or nine, because I was born in '86. So it was either seven, eight, or nine around the time this happens. Later on, the match comes out. Brett comes out. He's limping. He's limping hard. And Lawler's just laughing at him, backing him onto the ring. And out of nowhere, (laughs) Brett just starts jogging a little bit. (laughs) Jogging in place a little. Letting him know that that leg feels fine. Boy, my mom looked at me like, how did you know that? At the time, I didn't even know that that was really going to happen. <laughs> like, I was just giving my opinion. Right. But I remember I loved that angle because it was the typical everyday you reap what you sow angle. Right. You know, but to that, that typical good guy, bad guy, the good guy gets the last laugh on the bad guy angle. That was one of the, that was one of the very first ones I remembered. And I remembered, like, and it, it, and I remembered because that was the very first time that I called that match, and I was right. And and to be that younger age and to figure that out, I like, I, I felt like a prodigy. <laughs> I really did. Okay, okay, that was a good one, I, and I remember that angle too. And Brett took his boot that was and sucked off and made. Uh, Jerry Lotta kissed his feet. I remember that. I remember oh, that. man. I, that, was, that, was, that was a great moment, just watching him. And can Sidney throw up in the ring yeah, or something like that, too? He backstage. Well, he might have been throwing up like yeah. a weight walking backstage. I can't remember. But he did throw up. Yeah. I just remember weak as hell that he was throwing up. <laughs> he had to kiss his own feet, and he threw up kissing his own feet. <laughs> so that was a good one because I love Bret Hart, my favorite wrestler of all time. But mine. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. True to that. But mine, I got to go a little further back to January of 1993. Okay, Grandpa. But quick backstory I got two older brothers who's into wrestling also, and they loved WCW. Like, I didn't know too much about WWE at the time. I, I mean, I knew about it. I knew Hulk Hogan and all that stuff, but we mainly watched WCW. Living here in Virginia, this is basically flair country. All day. All day. So, who's diehard WCW guys? So, January 1993, Sting versus Vader. They were going to have a match at the upcoming Super Brawl. Before they did, they had did a segment, a vignette, as you can say, where Sting was going to go visit Vader at his White Castle House of Pain, which is somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. And they did the vignette where Sting pulls up. You know, this is cool guy Sting with the bleach blonde hair, the shades on, the bright colors. Yeah. He hopped out of his car with a, a Carolina blue outfit. <laughs> you know, I think it was a jogging suit. That's how old this was. He hopped in a private jet and he was like, let's go. Let's do this. They take off flying. And they arrived at Vader's, uh, his castle, so to speak. 
Steam being the baby face that he was, as soon as he walks in, he sticks both hands on his hip, looking like a superhero. Because it's a Sting. Sting was it during that time. He walks in, and it looks like a straight-up dungeon. You had women, scantily clad women in chains. Um, you had uh, a little person, which some people call midgets, but it was a little person who looked kind of creepy. You had Harley Race, who was just creepy by himself, you know. And they were like, he's here, he's here, he's here. And then Vader's, I guess, in his den and, you know, warming up like, Sting's here, I'm about to go get him, blah, blah, blah. So they go to a dinner table. Vader's on one side of the table, Sting's on the other side of the table. Vader takes a leather strap, wraps it around his wrist, and throws the other end to Sting. Sting wraps it around his wrist. And in the middle of the table, I don't know how this happened, but flames just shot up. And there was a fire in the middle of the table. And you have Vader pulling Steam by the leather strap across the table. And Steam's heading towards the fire. He gets close to the fire. And next thing you know, you hit, see on the screen, to be continued. I Now, this is 93. I was six, seven at that time. I saw that and I ran to my mom like, Mom, Vader's going to kill Steam. My mom had no clue what I was talking about. But I was just so upset. And I was like, Sting has to win. He has to beat him. He got to beat Vader. Because, you know, I'm still, I didn't know nothing about kayfabe. Like I said, I'm like six, six or seven or something like that. So I'm thinking it's all, like, happening. Like, like wow, like, this is heavy. So that's my first angle was Vader and Sting and Sting being pulled into some fire by a leather strap and his Vader on the other side. And I honestly thought deep down that Sting had no chance of beating Vader. Because look, remember the size of Vader? Oh, my God. Dude. Just by looks alone, you would think Sting has no chance. By that vignette alone, you would have thought Sting had no chance. By him being pulled across Absolutely. the table into the fire, you thought Sting had no chance. So great build. Great build to a great rivalry. We lost uh, Vader what, two years ago. No, last year, I think. Yeah. I think like last June or something like that. And Vader, man, Vader terrified me. The Undertaker spooked me with his gimmick, but Vader terrified me because of how big he was and how he used to lay his hits in. And the fact that he, the first angle I saw him in was with Sting, and Sting was a superhero at the time. So Vader just, Vader had me shook as a kid. Yeah, man, God, that, yeah. I'm going to have to go back and watch that, man, because I vaguely remember that. I vaguely remember that. I'm going to, like, I don't know if it's on the WWE Network. It's not WWE. I'm going to try to find it on WWE Network. I can't find it there. I'm definitely going to find it online because I, you got me hooked just talking about it. Yeah, it was a, it was a great angle. Great angle. Um, so, yeah, anything else you want to add? Any comments, questions, suggestions? Man, uh, I, I got nothing, man. I tell you, it's just, a, a, like I said, it's just a great time to be a wrestling fan right now, man. It, with everything going on between AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, WWE, man, like <laughs> you can't, there's, you can't be a wrestling fan and not find something 
not find a promotion that was like that's your go-to, you right. know? Right, 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 right. So, Eric, tell the people where they can reach you. You can reach me on Facebook, Eric Big Grizz Billups. You can also find me on Twitter, uh, hashtag, so, oh, not hashtag, but at Seven City Psycho. The psycho, the S is the dollar sign. Woo! You'll see my, you'll see my big face. <laughs> and also find me on Instagram, lineage underscore of underscore excellence. Shay, where can they find you? You can find me on Facebook at Shaybo. That's S H E A space B O. You can find me on Instagram at All Power to the People. That's A W L P O W R. The number two. D-A-P-P-L and you can also find me on Twitter at Shabo4, the actual number 4. Yes, I went and got my Twitter account again because I see big things happening in our future with this podcast. So I want to be on all type of social media networks to make sure people get the word that people listen in, that people support me and your or you and I, however you want to say it, podcast. This is the Hot Tag Podcast. I'm Shay. He's Eric. We will see you next week. We out. Peace. Later.